Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. I swear to you, 98% of this sport happens behind the curtain. I used to always have the old heads tell me that, and I said, really? Because the game happens on national TV on Saturdays. But friends, they were right. It's happening. It's behind the curtain to your left, to your right, up and down right now, and I'm trying to peel it back as much as I can. Unfortunately, the exchange for information in this industry is, now keep it off the record, keep it off the record, so in due time, it'll all come out. We're jam-packed, high atop a Somewhat chilly, downtown Nashville, Tennessee. We'll be in Corvallis, Oregon Saturday, probably waterlogged and much colder, so I am not complaining right now. It's Tuesday, November 14th, the year of our Lord, 2023. We got seats warming up. We got seats that are scalding hot. Some guys have already been fired. I take no pleasure in this time of year, but it is what it is, so we're going to talk about it. I'm going to tell you the latest that I'm hearing. I'm probably going to come at it from some different angles than you're reading at the normal watering holes. That's a good thing, though. That's not a bad thing. I got full Week 12 predictions tonight. We got a, a brand new JP poll also. New sticker, courtesy of PateStateMaterial.com, right here on the old laptop. And you know what I'm going to do tonight? I'm in such a good mood. I'm even going to answer a question about the Heisman, which I checked the catalogs. I don't know that we've ever done that, Jesse, in November or ever. So, yeah, we got a lot to do tonight. Uh, we got a jam-packed show. We're, in, we're being watched in Marietta, Ohio. I've heard of Marietta, Georgia, but I assume there are a number of Mariettas. Baton Rouge, Louisiana is tuned in. Leesburg, Georgia, hometown of Luke Bryan. little trivia for you there. They're tuned in. Milwaukee, Wisconsin, hometown of a number of noteworthy people. They're all tuned in. We just had insane viewership the other night, and I appreciate you guys for that. I know, inevitably, we've got tens of thousands of new people that come to the show via podcast form or YouTube form every week. And I... I know sometimes it's hard to keep up. we got a lot of inside terminology on the show. For instance, what is Pate State? I had a guy walk through the office today. Management uh, brought one of his buddies in, and the buddy of management said, I was trying to find where Pate State is. Pate State is in your heart, my friend. But I know not all of you just readily understand that we have our own fictitious university on the show. So anyway, what I would advise you to do is subscribe to the channel because it's free, and that's how you keep it free. And also, follow on the social channels, at Lake Kick Josh, uh, Twitter. Uh, formerly Twitter, now X, and Instagram, there's a lot that's added. There, there's a lot of supplementation to what you get on the show that you only find on those social channels, and it's really fun, especially on the Instagram story. It's really fun, really behind the scenes, and we're on the sideline for a different big game every Saturday and give you a different angle. So yeah, all that's happening, but there are other things happening right now that need our attention. So let's just get started. Jesse called this, what'd you call it, Jesse, a hodgepodge show? Yeah, we're going so many different ways tonight, but that's, that's the nature of college football late November. 
Texas A&M's got a job opening. Apply accordingly, kids. Now, as you know, when Jimbo Fisher got fired, you were going to get a number of big names that were thrown out there. And of course, you got him. You got everything from the, you know, Kirby Smart sarcastic suggestions to uh, some some fairly serious Dan Lanning suggestions. And someone said, well, Dabo doesn't seem happy at Clemson right now. Why don't we throw his name out? So anyway, there were a number of names thrown out. I didn't throw any names out the other night, and I'll tell you why in just a second. But since those names were thrown out, we've had reactions from two of the aforementioned candidates, Dabo Swinney. And I quote, I'm just focused on this job, always have been. I am just trying to beat North Carolina. It must be November. That's all I can say. Well, I did some thinking on it. And it turns out that is not all you can say. You could, in fact, legally go a few steps further. Case in point, here's Dan Lanning yesterday at Oregon. Our, our, my name and uh, our program would never be in the, a topic of conversation for another school if, if we didn't have something here that everybody else wanted. And the reason we have something here uh, that everybody else wants, that's because of what our players, our coaches, the support that exists here at Oregon have created. I think I've been really, really clear here since day one. Uh, everything I want exists right here. I'm not going anywhere. There's zero chance that I would be coaching somewhere else. Um, I've got unfinished business here. There's a lot that I want to accomplish uh, here at Oregon. My number one priority is being elite um, here at Oregon. And we have the resources, the tools. Um, Anybody that can't understand why you would want to be here at this place doesn't understand exactly what exists here. Did you notice the other night when the news broke, you notice I didn't mention landing when a lot of other folks did. It's because he's not going to Texas A&M. He's not leaving Oregon. And uh, that little quote at the end, by the way, don't overlook that. Anyone who suggests otherwise, he said, doesn't understand what they have there. Now, this is not an Oregon segment, but I am telling you, confidently, the Oregon job is a premier job. Our buddy Barrett Salee said earlier today, why would you entertain this if you're Dan Lanning? Oregon's a better job than A&M. Now, I don't quite go that far. I will tell you, Oregon is plenty far enough down the road. They are plenty high enough up the ladder where there aren't too many rungs above the Oregon job. And certainly, if you got it set like Lanning does at Oregon, you don't leave there. You don't leave there unless there are personal, ambitious type reasons that are uniquely related to a job. So, so even though I may rank the A&M job above Oregon, it ain't by much, and it's certainly not worth leaving one for the other. So that was that. And then we start asking the logical follow-up. Well, if not them, then whomst? Here's the question you have to ask yourself. Anytime there's a coaching search, don't start with a list of candidates. Start with the athletic director, in this case, Ross Bjork, and you ask the following question. How big is the pile of chips in front of him on the table? Some ADs have unlimited equity. Some of them know my next hire has my job tied to it as well. And so after you've answered that, not just about Ross Bjork, but about every athletic director that's about to make a hire, then you realize how big a risk they can take. Now, to a certain extent, Ross Bjork doesn't have to live in this world. The athletic director at Texas A&M largely gets to fish in, in whatever pool he wants to for a candidate. And there are exceptions. You know, Nick Saban's not leaving Alabama. Kirby Smart's not leaving Georgia. But by and large, there are people in play. There are names in play that wouldn't be in play for Mississippi State, for example. And Zach Selman, the AD there. That's just reality. So... Texas A&M being the keystone program it is, when the job comes open, the reason it's so impactful, the reason why I made such a big deal about this the other night is not just, oh, Jimbo got fired, look at this big buyout. The reason is because everyone else has to hold. 
Everyone else has to wait for them to make their decision. It's very aggravating. Imagine that. Imagine being the athletic director at another university and you got a Keystone program. You got a program upstream, in other words, that's about to make a move and then they do make a move. You can't make a move. You could hire a guy that they take away 72 hours after your introductory press conference, or you hire a new head coach and he starts to assemble a staff. And then all of a sudden, A&M hires a guy and he decides, now I want three of your staffers. Well, you go back to square one. So that's not fun for anyone. Flight tracking season is something I need to address with you guys. I saw some of you fell victim today. That's okay. You need a refresher. We all get rusty. We all get a little amnesia from time to time. And you forget how this time of year works. Flight tracking season does not exist anymore. It's a bygone era. It was fun while it lasted, but flight tracking when it comes to deciding who's going to be hired as a college football coach, that's like acceptable fall weddings. They don't exist anymore. They're done. They do not exist. Once upon a time, you could pull up flytoware.com and you could see a flight go from College Station, Texas to Eugene, Oregon, and you could reasonably deduce someone from A&M is going to talk to someone at Oregon because the chances of a direct flight from one of those places to the other otherwise are just too remote for me to buy. These days, no, it's not the way it happens. Never will be again. Again, it was fun. It was fun while it lasted, but they caught on to us. Having said that, I was pressed today by my employer for a list of candidates that I thought were going to be on the table for Texas A&M. I am not ready to give you that yet. I am ready to give you this little trinket, this little nugget or tidbit of information. There, sorry, Colin, I wanted to say this so I could get a full clip out of it. There are candidates in play for the Texas A&M job that you don't realize are even candidates. Because when a job of this magnitude comes open, there are people you think are entrenched at one job who all of a sudden start looking sideways. And if you need to know what I'm talking about, look no further than Lincoln Riley to USC. Do you remember when that news broke? Do you remember how big the mushroom cloud was? collectively over our sport. I do. It was some of our highest traffic content we ever put out because no one expected it. If he went anywhere, people thought it may be, maybe LSU, maybe. And that's just if he wants to get in the SEC, unbeknownst to us, Oklahoma was going to take care of that a couple of years later. Point being, no one tied Lincoln Riley to USC until the announcement happened. I'm not telling you that's the direction they're going to go. It may very well be a guy who's on, on your hot board already. I am telling you definitively, because I know it to be the case, there are names in play for the A&M job that you know, you just don't know they're a candidate for Texas A&M. I've got to leave that there for now, but I do want to pick up briefly something that I touched on to varying degrees of savagery the other night, and I've got to do it again because it continues to wear on. Uh, the debate that I never thought would be continues to be a debate. Not really a debate. There is a, a definitive right and wrong side of this. But I got a lot of folks still trying to push back on me when it comes to the caliber of this job. And I'm not going to spend like 10 minutes on this or even three minutes on this. I'm just going to reiterate, guys, I, I have the eye, Josh, here. And when I tweeted and or talked about how elite the A&M job was the other day, I had a bunch of casuals tell me, no, it's not an elite job. And my evidence is they haven't won titles. My evidence is they haven't done so-and-so in X number of decades. And I said, no, there is a disassociation between quality of program and quality of job. The quality of program hasn't been good because they haven't hired the right guy for the job. 
It doesn't mean the job isn't elite. It doesn't mean all the boxes aren't checked. That's what makes a job elite. When I get offered your job, I don't look at your trophy case. I could not care less about it. In fact, in some ways, I'm glad there are cobwebs in there. I just become a legend if I'm the real deal at your place that much quicker. Like whoever follows Saban at Alabama is going to have a tough time. Whoever follows Smart 40 years down the road at Georgia is going to have a tough time. Whoever comes into Texas A&M and wins a title will have a statue erected of them before the confetti settles on the ground. And so I mentioned the eye, Josh, because as soon as I started getting hate from casuals, I've got a couple of agents and a ton of coaches saying, no, you're dead on the money, man. That job is elite. We don't care if they've won or not in the past. If you do your due diligence and you define what you think are the critical factors to make a job elite and they go five for five or seven for seven or 10 for 10, then it's an elite job, period. Doesn't matter what they have or haven't done in the past. If you don't believe me, if you really think for a job to be elite, they have to have accomplished things in the past, explain Clemson pre-Dabo Swinney for me. I told you the other day, I grew up in Georgia and I listened for years about them talk about, even in Mark Rick's best years, how, quote, Georgia, it's well off resource-wise, but they'll never win a title. They just don't have that it factor, that intangible factor. There is no intangible. I know you guys like to think that there's something magical, like there's fairy dust sprinkled over certain programs. It's money. That's what it is. It's money. That's the, that's the magic fairy dust. And with that money, you go get the right coach. And all of a sudden, Florida becomes what it was under Steve Spurrier. And then it's not for a little while. And then it becomes what it was under Urban Meyer. And then that guy leaves, and it's not. So, so what does it become an elite job, not an elite job, elite again, not elite? It's just getting the right candidate and being capable of pulling the right candidate. And there are less than a dozen programs in America that fit that description. Texas A&M's one of them. Their trophy case does not match the big boys like Ohio State or Alabama. It doesn't mean they're any less elite a job. It doesn't mean you can't accomplish there what Nick Saban has at Alabama. I'll, I'll scratch that. No one's going to do what Saban's done. But outside of like, the cyborg that's the head coach at Alabama, any other high-level achiever, Urban included, Ryan Day included, Dabo included, you can do all that, Kirby included, you can do all that. They would do all of that at Texas A&M. So I don't know. It Like Meemaw was a gardener. So if Meemaw had the richest patch of topsoil known to mankind and she happened upon it and there was nothing growing there, would Meemaw look at it and say, well, nothing's ever grown in this soil? So I might as well not even try it. No, she'd look at it and say, someone didn't know what they were doing with this soil. I'm going to dominate. I'm going to grow the fattest tomatoes and pumpkins you've ever seen because Meemaw was a real one. And if an A&M hires a real one, A&M will get really fat pumpkins, or as you would call them, trophies. Let's move on. But first, let me tell you, I've been updating uh, various weather-based apps uh, every hour on the hour to find out what our weather will be in Corvallis, Oregon this Saturday as the Once Upon a Saturday Tour heads way up to the Pacific Northwest one last time. Pour one out. For Washington versus Oregon State, we're looking forward to it. It is going to probably be a saturated Saturday. I've been looking for the volcanic Saturday, but it may be a saturated Saturday. PateStateMaterial.com is where you can go. We've got the t-shirt. It's commemorative in nature. It is one week only. I, I don't know when we'll ever be at Research Stadium again. We've never been there before. And so, you know, it's kind of end of an era time up there anyway for reasons that are out of your control. But it's well within your control to go to PateStateMaterial.com and purchase 
this lovely shirt. Great fabric, too. I got one sitting on my kitchen counter as we speak, and it's, it's wonderful. Sometimes I wake up in the morning, Colin, and I take it, and I just rub my cheek against it. It reminds me of simpler times. So PeytonStampMaterial.com is where you can find that. If you're listening on podcast, just imagine a really awesome shirt and one you'd probably want to buy and act accordingly. All right, I am going to, in true hodgepodge fashion, I'm going to break down a game, then we're going to talk about something else. Then I'll break down another game, then we're going to talk about something else. Probably take a sip from the chalice in between. Uh, The one I'm going to talk about here, I'm a little confounded by. So let's start with it. Georgia plays Tennessee, sort of out of the national spotlight now Saturday. It's the 3.30 Eastern game on CBS. The emphatic results last week have taken a little bit of the luster off this thing. Remember, just seven days ago, I was sitting here and I was saying, hey, if Ole Miss beats Georgia, you know, if Tennessee beats Missouri, we got the SEC East on the line. Well, neither of those things happened. In fact, emphatically, they went the other way. Now, the line on this game at FanDuel right now is Georgia minus 10 and a half. And that's all about regression to the mean. Because if you were new to football and you watched what happened last week, you would think this is free money. Like this is the most slam dunk, surefire bet. Georgia's going to win by half a hundred. Let's lock it in. And we don't really use that kind of language on this show. We don't believe in the word lock. But regression to the mean is a real thing. That's just where if you perform really, really high level one week, you're likely to come back closer to what the average expectation of your performance would be, and vice versa. If you're really poor one week, like Tennessee was, you probably slingshot back up a little bit, and and if you have both of those things happening at the same time, that's how you get a point spread like this. That's not always applicable in November. Sometimes teams are just surging in November, and sometimes teams are just falling off and mailing it in in November. That's where I'm interested. I know Georgia's surging. That much I'm sure of. I wonder if Tennessee started to fall off. Missouri bullied Tennessee. So what's Georgia going to do? I guess if you need something in terms of bulletin board material, that's all you really need to listen to. Uh, you, know, you guys know it's true. Like you got pushed around by Missouri and, and a much bigger bully on that block comes into your building this week where you've been really good. So what's going to happen here? Tennessee's got to keep the game close to be successful running the ball. They've got to keep it close for obvious reasons so that they can run the ball. Tennessee averages 213 on the ground per game. That's good for ninth in the country. Georgia's run defense, it's really good. It's not quite on par with what they've been the last couple of years, but it's, it's really good. Like by Georgia standards, it may be off, but by national standards, still plenty good enough. Georgia's pass defense, though, they've held opponents under 200 yards through the air uh, the past five games. 256, I think, is their high. I think that's the most they've given up this year. So it's tough sledding. I mean, it's a Kirby Smart defense. It always will be. All Carson Beck needs to do for Georgia, and this is good advice for the rest of the year, is just more of the same. What he's doing right now can win them a national championship. He'll have opportunities. Tennessee against the pass, 70th nationally. Tennessee pressures the quarterback well. So we keep looking for this game where Carson Beck just kind of goes off the rails and throws three interceptions, and I think he's thrown five all year, so it's unlikely it has to come against a pressure defense, or at least you would think it would. The combination of him pressing a little bit too much and a little bit more pressure than he expects. But the thing about it is Georgia's protected so well, and they're so good on third downs, it just hasn't happened. I'm going to throw you third down stats every Georgia game until this changes. They've got the best third down offense in the country. Tennessee's defense is 53rd. Georgia's got the seventh best third down defense in the country. 
Tennessee's 27th. So every game Georgia finds themselves in, there's this disproportionate advantage for them on third down that I suppose on any given Saturday could invert itself like turnovers do. But third down success is not nearly as randomized as the turnover stat. Tennessee, basically, if they want to pull the upset here, they need Neyland. They need home magic. Their last, what was it, Jesse? Their last five losses have been on the road, right? Over the past two years. And they've won 14 straight at home. We were there. We were on the field for the Bama game last year. And then they, they you know, they tear down the goalpost. They towed them out to the river. You remember the cigar smoke being so thick, people suffered from smoke inhalation, even in an outdoor venue. It was a magical time. Georgia's last hostile road game we were in attendance for. It was the Auburn game, and it wasn't the best Saturday for Georgia. That's so long ago. I guess if you want to package up and bottle up some hope, you could do it if you're a Tennessee fan, and, and you could sell yourself on, well, they went to Auburn and barely won, and since then, what's the true road game? Vanderbilt? And even then, they didn't perform exceptionally. It was 37-20. to 20. I guess it sounds okay. You know, in retrospect, if you were to pull the upset, I'd go back and I'd pull this sound and I would say, we should have taken it a lot more seriously. As it stands, I'm skeptical. I respect Neyland Stadium. I am skeptical that enough matchup advantages exist. So let's take a look at what the model thinks. The odds on this game presented by FanDuel, Georgia minus 10.5. Model agrees, Georgia minus 11. I just think the teams are headed in opposite directions. And I think Tennessee may have had. 10 weeks worth of gas in the tank of a 12-game season. So I'm taking Georgia to win, and I'm going to take Georgia to cover. I'm not betting money on it. I I have uh, far better value on the board this week. But the remaining undefeated FBS teams, we got seven of them. James Madison and Liberty are in there. So Power 5, we got five of them. And Georgia is one of them. And yet, as I say that, what kind of wiggle room are we looking at? They know they got a date against Alabama in a couple of weeks in Atlanta. Actually, I guess they could lose this game if they beat Bama. Maybe they're still in. That becomes a conversation. We'll see what the playoff committee says tonight. Can't wait to see what the Oracles deliver us in a little while. But I'm taking Georgia to win and Georgia to cover. Either way, though, if you're going to any of these games, anywhere, Knoxville or otherwise, I highly encourage you guys to go to Academy Sports and Outdoors and just stock up on tailgating supplies. And I also want to remind you, we don't do many giveaways on the show uh, because we don't have a whole lot to give away. I mean, I'm not giving you Floyd of Rosedale, that's for sure. And this helmet's one of a kind, as far as I know. But what I can do is I can bring Academy in the door and I can say, hey guys, can we get a couple of things from you? Number one, we want to give away a $10,000 Academy gift card. And they say, okay, surprisingly, very little pushback. So then you start really feeling yourself and say, all right, how about two SEC championship tickets? Okay, okay. I guess that's three things. Uh, And then I say, I don't want them to have to jump through a bunch of hoops to win it, though. And they say, how about this? Um, Just log into the Academy app. And that's it. And unless you live in New York or Hawaii or Alaska or California, you're eligible. What a great time to be alive, right? So all you got to do is log into the Academy app. You don't even have to buy anything. Just log in. I would encourage you to support the show and buy something, but $10,000 Academy gift card and two SEC championship game tickets up for grabs. I want someone in our audience to win it selfishly. You know, everyone out there is a good and decent person who shops at Academy, but our audience is just a little bit better than most people. And so I want you guys to win it. And even if you don't, just go stock up at Academy. They make the show free. I mean, all, all, all this production money, it's, it's just that. It's money. It costs stuff. 
to produce this. And we ask you to do two things. Subscribe to the channel and then support our, our very, very few sponsors. We don't have a ton of them here uh, because they take care of us accordingly. So Academy, a uh, longtime partner, and we really appreciate them. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply just pushed away a piece of paper I wasn't supposed to. Oh, yeah, yeah, we got to talk about this. So the A&M job's open, but that's far from the only activity going on. Let's take a, take a sip of the chalice right quick. And I'm trying to kill time to make sure nothing's happened, which I was just refreshing to my right. Full disclosure, Colin, don't include this in the clip. Here's how this works every, every November. I spend most of my day in communication with people in the know to varying degrees around jobs that I think may come open. Sometimes we get a heads up, like Zach Arnett. You could, people, I'm, I'm, well, enough people knew that was coming weeks ago. Uh, sometimes you have no clue it was out of the blue. I didn't know Jimbo was coming until I saw Billy Lucci tweeted on a plane the other day. So all kinds of different things are happening, but sometimes you get wind that something's coming, but you can't talk about it yet, and, and you're waiting for it to go public. And sometimes you have a live show, and, and it's just very ill-timed. I think the sooner people in this sport learn to time their big announcements up before our show, the better the sport will be overall. I, I just want everything to go my way. That's not too much to ask. All right, Colin, here's your end point. Ton of coaching searches going on in the future. A few of them have already gotten cranked up. Many more are coming. And I'm going to walk you through what we're hearing. I'm going to walk you through just some headlines in the last couple of hours that have broken. At Arkansas, I'm going to give you a feel on this because there are different feelings amongst the Arkansas community and in coaching circles about what may happen here. Uh, the seat is hot on Sam Pittman. I don't think anything's been decided there. I know Trey Biddy and the folks over at hogsports.com have reported as recently as today the coaching staff's been in communication with their recruits, and they've reassured them, hey, we're not going anywhere. Now, if the entire staff were to get cleaned out, it wouldn't be the first time a staff gets cleaned out not too long after they reassured people they're not going anywhere. So my point is, I tend to believe that they think they're safe. I don't know that they're safe. And also, even if Sam Pittman's been told, hey, you're safe, 
they play FIU Saturday. They're favored by 29 and a half. If the borderline unthinkable were to happen and they lost that game, all that goes out the window. You're never totally safe, even if they tell you you're safe. It's kind of like head coaches uh, that are, mm, I'm not going to say dumb enough, maybe short-sighted enough to believe athletic directors and boosters when they get hired, and those boosters and ADs tell them, now look, we're going to give you two years minimum before we even start to judge your record. That's never the case. It is never, ever, 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 ever the case. Do not ever believe that. Because the moment you win your first big game, the clock starts ticking. You sometimes do yourself a disservice if you pull an upset in year one because it starts the clock ticking sooner than it should have. I'm a big believer that even though Brian Kelly's not on any kind of hot seat, I'm a believer Kelly did himself a little short-term damage by beating Bama last year because it led to, what will they be, Jesse, 9-3 and three this year? If they go 9-3, and three, all of a sudden it's not good enough this year. You, you're like high on bath salts if you tell yourself uh, 14 to 20 months ago, 9-3 and three in year two for Brian Kelly is not going to be good enough. Anyway, with Pittman at Arkansas, if you lose in upset fashion to FIU Saturday, even the people who are telling you you're safe wouldn't be telling you you're safe anymore. I think, though, what's happening here is a theory that I happen to ascribe to, and that is the personality theory. There, there is benefit to not being a jerk. There's benefit to not rubbing people the wrong way. Now, if you're a winner, it doesn't matter. And this is not advice I'm giving to the kiddies out there. I'm just saying, if you're a winner, you can be as big a jerk as you want to be because you're untouchable. It's just the way it is. But if you're borderline and you got a great personality and you're affable and people love you, sometimes that's the tiebreaker. Sometimes in a 50-50 scenario, that's what swings the pendulum 55-45 your way and you buy yourself one more year. Maybe that's what's happening with Pittman here. Because even the folks who want him fired love him as a person. No one dislikes Pittman as a person in Northwest Arkansas or, frankly, anywhere. So that may be in play here. Let's stay tuned. At the very least, he's going to have to clean the program out. He's going to have to hire a new OC, for example. We'll see where he goes. We had some more news all the way across the country out in Los Angeles earlier today. Uh, This one surprised me a little bit. So our partners at BruinReportOnline.com, that's our... Uh, 24-7 Sports, UCLA outlet. They're telling us Chip Kelly's likely to be fired after the USC game. And there is a very thoroughly multi-sourced and detailed report on Bruin's uh, report online right now. And it, it sounds like the reasons are laid out. It sounds like there's not a lot of meshing with the boosters out there. The NIL engine is not humming like they think it could. Uh, Ke- Kelly's just not a... Kelly's like me. Chip Kelly's like me. He can fake it in front of a microphone, but really in a social setting, you're a lot more likely to find him over in the corner hiding than in the middle being the life of the party. It's just not us. It is not us. Some of you listen to that and you say, if you paid me that many millions of dollars, I'd be fine rubbing elbows with boosters all day long. Okay, I'm just telling you it's a little bit different for folks with this kind of personality. So Chip Kelly... Is, is not necessarily making it a priority from sunup to sundown to ingratiate himself to people that couldn't talk themselves out of a wet paper bag when it comes to football. And it's, it probably will cost him a job here. And I'm sure folks at UCLA are looking around. We're going to the Big Ten. Uh, we, we theoretically have a lot of this Southern California money we could tap into and alumni money that we're not getting 
because they don't like this guy who's the current head coach. I assume they've convinced themselves of that. Maybe they go get a Jonathan Smith. Maybe they go get a candidate I'm not even thinking about right now. Uh, but that's something that broke earlier today. We're going to monitor that one because, as you know, until you make the decision, everything's fluid. Until you hear the athletic director or the university release a statement, Chip Kelly is fired, everything's still in play. I wanted to touch on Florida for a second because I keep getting asked about Billy Napier at Florida. I told you the other day, pretty emphatically, I didn't think Billy Napier was on a 2023 hot seat. I thought his entire fate was tied to the 2024 season and probably more importantly, the 2024 recruiting class, which makes what I'm about to say all the more imperative. The recruiting class has looked and felt a little wobbly lately. It is imperative that they are able to sell the notion to the kids in that 2024 class that results on the field this year are totally detached from what our future holds. It is the lifeblood of your future as a program, as a staff. It is your hope because there's nothing happening for you. You may not make a bowl game in 2023. They're going to have to upset either Missouri or Florida State to even make a bowl game. This season's a wash. It's a loss. That recruiting class is top 10, though, until it's not. And every staff out there is trying to peck and nibble, and you got to convince kids, hey, this year was the way it was because you're not on the team. We don't have your class in the barn yet. We get your class in the barn, and that's a different caliber horse out there running on Saturdays. You got to convince them, and then you got to keep convincing them every day. So I don't think Napier's in trouble this year unless that recruiting class starts falling apart. And there's a long way to go before it falls apart. I'm just saying, in recent days, we've seen uh, a couple of decommitments. You hear rumors and whispers, which is not abnormal for this time of year anyway. It's just normally this time of year for a top 10 recruiter. You're not looking at missing a bowl game. That's, that's abnormal. So special circumstances. Uh, Zach Arnett was fired at Mississippi State earlier this week. This one we knew was coming a few weeks ago. So as expected as it was, there was a lot of raw, visceral reaction. You had one camp that said, how could you fire a guy 10 months in? He didn't even have a chance. Well, he did have a chance this year with a senior-laden roster to maintain a lot of what had worked in that program, and he chose to go the opposite direction, and it, it failed spectacularly. And so he's out of a job now. Zach Selman's the new AD there. Arnett was not his guy, and it was a, it, obviously an untenable position. You have Mike Leach, the head coach, pass away. And you elevate uh, because you don't, you don't really have a winning move to make there. I mean, it's almost on the back burner in terms of priority anyway when you have your head coach pass away. Out of, I mean, it's just no one expected it. It's just out of the blue one night. You're refreshing your phone. And Mike Lee, what? Is this fake? This is real? And then you have to worry about what you're going to do with the program because that's your job as an athletic director. So anyway, I, my feel on this job is unless they go a route that doesn't really involve the big boys, uh, and I'll explain what I mean by that in a second, Mississippi State may have to wait out what Texas A&M does. Not because they're going to be fishing from the same pool of candidates, but like I told you, A&M's the keystone. you got to wait for the big boys to make their move before you understand what's available downstream. And that's not just head coaching. That is coordinators. That's position coaches. You're trying to fill out a recruiting staff. You're trying to fill out a bunch of, of positions that you don't ever see on the sideline on Saturday. Hiring is, is crazy. There are so many dozens and dozens of people that you have to hire 
And when you got a behemoth like A&M about to make a move, sometimes you just got to sit there and wait it out. It's like a big storm rolling through. You got to drive home. Let's just let it die down for a second. This is a torrential downpour. I don't want to drive in this. We could hydroplane. They're probably going to wait for a second. I've heard some names mentioned with Mississippi State. Let me tell you, um, not just with Mississippi State, but in general, John Summerall is a guy I would hire at Pate State. It is atypical for me because Summerall does not have a long track record at Troy as a head coach. He's just two years in. I am willing to circumvent some of my usual logic when it comes to him. I am that big a believer in Summerall. He knows the South. He knows the SEC. He's a dynamite recruiter. He is a top-level defensive mind and defensive coordinator type. And I'm telling you, someone's going to strike gold when they hire him. I don't know if it's going to be Mississippi State. Whoever ends up hiring him, going to enjoy what Troy's enjoying. You're just going to enjoy it tier two or tier one instead of a tier three position like Troy. So that's what's happening right now. This, this kind of segment will be a fixture in this show for the next couple of months. Coaching search season is wild. All right, let's move on. Appreciate all you guys watching live. Uh, but do me a favor, less than a quarter of you have clicked the thumbs up button there. And even on your TVs, I'm told it's possible. So just click the old thumbs up and keep the lights on around here. I've got an upset alert for you, but it's not even Thursday. Normally we do that on Thursday. So let me, let me pop the paper. Texas plays Iowa State Saturday night. I know, I know what some of you are thinking, but you need to lock in for a second. Saturday, 8 o'clock on Fox. That's your first sign. You've got a night game at Jack Trice Stadium. What have I told you? What did Meemaw tell me about night games at Iowa State? I don't remember. Meemaw didn't mention Iowa State very much. But it's not going to be easy for Texas. All that talk about Texas, by the way, in the Big 12 championship picture, you know Iowa State is still alive. Even as we speak, if you hear that faint squeaking sound, if you, if you hear the sound of mice on wheels, those are Big 10 administrators, Big 12 administrators, trying to figure out the tiebreaker scenarios out there. Crazy stuff. Like I've been, I've been texting back and forth with some people on different staffs that are involved in the multi-team potential tiebreaker process where the rules are changing literally today. They are changing the rules. Crazy. Uh, the best thing you can just do is win and let the chips fall where they may. Remember back in 2011, uh, there were a lot of extenuating circumstances. There was tragedy in the mix with Oklahoma State. They had to go on the road Thursday night at Iowa State. They lose. They're out of the national championship. I was in a movie theater watching the movie Jay Edgar, as I recall, with, um, it's not important who I was with. What's important is I don't remember anything about the movie. I can go to Hoover's Wikipedia page. Don't know how much I trust it. I can go there and read up on the guy. I don't remember the movie because my phone started to blow up. I was, I was so sure. I mean, that game was so far off my radar, I didn't even bother to watch it. And I learned that night, anything can happen in college football in November. I am looking for a one-night-only special here. If I'm trying to paint the path, if I'm trying to kind of pave the path for an upset for Iowa State, if you look at the season-long stat profile, you're just going to convince yourself Texas wins. But sometimes in college football, we get a one-night-only special. You've seen it. I've seen it. We've all seen it. Some quarterback plays 30% above his skis one night only. And then he regresses right back to what the stat profile says he should be. Rocco Becht, who, by the way, is the Iowa State quarterback. That's a good trivia question to try on your 
quote-unquote die-hard college football fan buddy at the water cooler tomorrow, hey, give me Iowa State's quarterback. He probably doesn't know who it is because Iowa State is 78th throwing the ball through the air this year. Texas is glaringly vulnerable through the air right now, though. You know, what I mentioned the other night, they've had three games where they've allowed three possession leads to evaporate and almost lost them, but ended up not losing any of them. But in those three games where they give up those big leads, they've given up 674 yards through the air just in the second halves of those games. So if it's happened against Houston, you know, if it's happened with those other two games, at translation, I don't remember them off the top of my head, it could happen. JP, Angels in the outfield, flap the wings. It could happen. This is the first game for Texas without Jonathan Brooks. And I think the competitive nature in that locker room is such that guys are going to step up. Okay, so, so I don't think Texas is going to go on the road and just look like a deer in headlights. This is an underrated Iowa State defense, though. It's the best pass defense Texas will have seen since Bama. And I know you remember in the end, Quinn Ewers making some plays through the air. And that thing was like 13 to 9 late in the third quarter. So it, it's not like Texas just bombed away from the outset. Uh, Bama muddied that game up early. Iowa State, similarly, especially without Brooks, who flashed on the scene against Bama and is now out. Uh, if no one steps up, like if Worthy or A.D. Mitchell, Jatavian Sanders, like if those guys don't step up, if Baxter at running back, if, if they don't carry the load like they're capable of, you let them hang around, they can beat you. This is Matt Campbell's shot now. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, we all know it's his shot. Like he's got the best team he's had at Texas. But Campbell, think about this. At Iowa State's four and eight last year, and people start talking. And he lost eight of his final nine last year, and people really started talking. And then they lost three of their first five this year, and people really, really started talking. And now they've won four of their last five. And they're playing their best football right now. And they blew out Brigham Young on the road last week. Everyone's had this game circled. When Texas comes to town, it's always a circle game. Back-to-back road stretch for Texas. Let's take a look at what the model thinks. FanDuel number, Texas minus 7.5. The, uh, the uh, Pate State model is a little bit shorter. Pate State model has Texas minus 5. Now, I have bias here. I am Iowa State. Naturally, growing up in west-central Georgia, I was a diehard Iowa State Cyclone fan growing up. But you got to understand something. When your mascot is a literal tornado and you got the Hulk Hogan color scheme, if you, if you operate at peak efficiency, nothing can stand in your way. Nothing can stand up to you. Unfortunately, Iowa State hasn't quite been all of that recently. I don't have a ton of confidence either way in this one. So I'm going to trust the model implicitly. And I'm going to take Iowa State to cover the number And I'm going to take Texas to win yet another close game. And if it turns out that way, it would be right in line. It would be right on brand for what Texas has been lately. They've they've had to win some close games. And there's nothing wrong with that, of course, until you get to the postseason and realize the caliber of opponent has upgraded significantly. But worry about that when you get there. Texas needs to worry about winning, whether it's by one or 100. More on that game Thursday night. Oh, I look and see it's 741. You know what? Let's go ahead, Colin. Let's talk about JP poll. The playoff rankings are going to come out tonight. I hear you. Who cares? Right. But the JP poll is out. And Colin, here's your end point here. 
I got a new JP poll for you. We've got a lot of movement. Spoiler alert, we got a new number one in the JP poll tonight. We got some teams affirming our belief. I've got a point spread explained in the JP poll. The JP poll is not a ranking. If you don't know that by now, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, these are just power ratings and it's neutral field favorability. And here we go. Did I say they're not rankings? Yeah, yeah, they're not rankings. I'll say that again and again and again. Let's go 25 to 21 because SMU, uh, who has been in the 23 to 25 range for a little while now, people have been hating on them. Well, not so much anymore. SMU is starting to surge. It's almost like the JP poll knew something. So it goes Iowa State, SMU, USC, I don't know, Louisville 22, Tennessee 21, Tennessee plummeted. You, you can't get run over like they did and not suffer the consequences in the JP poll. And that's even in power ratings world. This is not a ranking. They may have fallen further if it were a ranking system. Uh, I, look, the USC thing, that's just, it's, it's, it's power rating stuff, man. That's all it is, just power rating stuff. I mean, if I put USC on the field with Iowa State today, they'd be favored over Iowa State. I don't know what to tell you. Let's move to 20 to 15 or 20 to 16. Ole Miss dropped uh, seven. They are at 20 now. Utah's at 19. They play at Arizona this week. The tradition that keeps on giving, Texas A&M, even as they fire their head coach, is still number 18. Just holding steady. Our opinion of Texas A&M has been virtually unchanged for several weeks now because they're playing the exact caliber football the number 18 team in the country should play. Clemson's not done. Clemson's at 17, and they're, they're just hanging around. What, what you doing, Clemson? Me? <laughs> Nothing. Just hanging around. So, so Clemson's in Beetlejuice mode right now. Arizona's at 16. I cannot stress enough how insane it is that Jed Fish has his team at 16. And notice, they play the number 19 team this week. So just challenge after challenge, and they're meeting it at every turn. Let's keep it rolling. Let's go top 15 here, Oregon State. We're going to see him in person this week. I'm going to explain something to you in a second. Watch this. Watch the magic of the JP poll. Uh, Penn State's at 14. Missouri's highest rating to date. The Missouri Tigers are at number 13. Incredible. Uh, Washington's at 12. Notre Dame's at 11. So think about this. Washington plays at Oregon State this week. Now, you want to know how dialed in the JP poll is right now. The gap the JP poll has between number 12, Washington, and number 15, Oregon State, is one point. So they're all crunched up together there. Right now, Washington goes to Oregon State. So on a neutral field, we would say Washington minus one. We're given three and a quarter points to Oregon State for home field favorability. So you take one and you subtract that and you look at what the exact point spread is on the game right now. Somewhere between Oregon State minus two and Oregon State minus two and a half. That is just validation from Vegas that the JP poll is dead on the money with those two teams. Not to pat ourselves on the back. I'm just saying we did a really good job there. Excuse me. The model did a really good job there. Notre Dame's at number 11. Okay, number 10. We got a little movement here. Oklahoma's back in the top 10. Oklahoma's 10, K-State is 9, LSU's 8, Texas is 7, Florida State is 6. Notice there are three Big 12 teams right there in, in the 7, 9, and 10 spots. And I had the model spit out some numbers for me. The point spread gap on a neutral field between Texas and Oklahoma is two points right now. I don't know what FanDuel would make it. I guess I could ask them. 
But the model has that thing shrunk down to two points. And K-State's right in there as well. So interesting times in the Big 12. And let's go top five. We got a new number one here. Drum roll, please. Ohio State's at number five. Uh, they did not drop as much as Bama rose. Oregon's at four. Again, they didn't drop. Bama rose. Alabama's surging. They're number three right now. Michigan's two. Georgia has taken over the top spot. Georgia is now 0.4 points ahead of Michigan on a neutral field. The model would currently have Georgia minus one and a half against Alabama. FanDuel has that number available right now. And that number pretty much crossed the market sitting at a field goal. So we think there's a little value on Alabama. Uh, Michigan, Michigan didn't drop, by the way. Michigan actually held completely still. They have the same exact power rating they had last week. Georgia jumped them. That's what happened. So the JP poll, there you have it. We've got a, I think it's a five and three quarter point gap between number one and number five right now. There's your top 10. Uh, react accordingly. And listen, if you, if you don't follow me on Instagram for any other reason, just follow me on Instagram at Late Kick Josh for the total and complete freak show that devolves in the comment section when I post this thing. It doesn't matter if I rent one of those planes that fly banners by the hour behind them and I explain the difference between power ratings and rankings. Just total freak job psychos in the comment section. It's unbelievable and I love every one of you. Because we get rich off Twitter clicks and Instagram clicks, obviously. That's where the real money is in this business. Let's move back onto the field, shall we? Got a big game in Corvallis this week, obviously. Hmm. And we're going to be there. First ever trip for us to Oregon State. For Washington at Oregon State, it's the 7.30 Eastern kick on ABC Saturday. That means 4.30 local time, which means we've got an outside shot at catching a red-eye flight out of Portland to get back home in time for the Sunday show. Once upon a Saturday tour, right there on the sidelines at Research Stadium. Appreciate what this means. You guys know as well as I do, sort of the end of an era up there. This is like, you know, the main event at Fully Loaded 1999, Undertaker Austin, end of an era match. We all remember how that went down. Well, this is like the last day of high school before graduation. That's the vibe I'm getting here. Because these, these teams will probably not ever be in the same conference again after this year. We don't really know what the fate of Oregon State is long term. It sucks. It is what it is. And so just enjoy it. Just enjoy this in the moment while it lasts. They've got show stealer potential in this game. Oregon State could win the game and steal the show. But, you know, there, there's an individual in this game that could steal the show. More on that in a second. In the meantime, do you know Oregon State? Do you really know them? Do you know that's a top 15 scoring offense? Do you know that about Oregon State? Do you know they got two losses by a combined six points? They've lost field goal games. Do you know that? Do you know they've won nine straight at home? Did you know they're favored by two and a half at FanDuel currently in this game? Oregon State's the favorite against undefeated Washington. You know, you are what your record says you are, crowd. has got to be in shambles, by the way, right now, to look at two loss Oregon State favorite against... I'm not hating on Washington, by the way, when I say mighty Washington. I'm just saying that's how small the margins are right now. DJ Uyangalale, formerly of Clemson fame, has 12 touchdowns, no interceptions in his last five games. Washington has the 125th rated pass defense in the country. And that leads me to what could be a great quarterback spectacle 
in front of us unfolding Saturday night in Reeser Stadium. Everybody knows how great Michael Penix is, including me. I'm taking nothing away from that dude. But you could have a show-stealer moment for DJ Uyangale here because as good as Oregon State's been this year, I look at the numbers so you don't have to. Most people have not watched Oregon State play this year, but they will Saturday night. And you're going to tune in expecting Michael Penix to dominate. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But what if DJU is just that much better? Both offenses in this game, top six in explosive play rate. That's plays of 20 yards or more. Both of the defenses in that category, outside the top 40, rain in the forecast. So keep that in mind. Both pass defenses are in the bottom half of FBS. It's the best opportunity DJ's going to have to splash back onto the national scene. Washington's in an interesting spot here. They've won six straight games by 10 points or less. They're, you saw them blow teams out early in the year, and I don't know, maybe they've been off people's radar. You saw them win the Oregon game, but everyone expected that one to be close. All their games have been close. These are their margins of victory since the Oregon game. They beat Oregon by three. Arizona State, they won 15-7. to seven. Stanford, they won by nine. At USC, they won by 10. Utah, they won by seven last week. And even before the Oregon game, they only beat Arizona by seven. So it's been tight. They've been winning. That's your job to win. But it's been tight. And this is the best defense they've probably faced since Oregon, and they're facing them on the road. Washington's 65th in turnovers this year. Oregon State's top 20 enforcing them. So there's a lot that makes you lean Oregon State's way, but man, when you got Michael Penix like, like Washington does, it can really, really tilt the scales in your favor very quickly. Let's take a look at what the model thinks because FanDuel, as I said, currently has the two-loss team favored against the undefeated team, and the model's even more bullish. The model likes Oregon State minus three and a half, and I agree with it. I think this is the spot where Washington goes down. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot, actually, I think, that could make you lean both ways. So, so I could bend these stats to make me think anything I want to think. I think, I, I think Oregon State's going to find a way Saturday night in Corvallis. And it's, it's going out in a blaze of glory in some ways when it comes to the Pac-12. But also Oregon State is still in the Pac-12 championship hunt. Now it's Oregon-Washington 1-2 right now, but Oregon State's the third odds-on favorite to win the conference right now. So this would be a big deal for them. It already is for a number of reasons. Give me the Beavers. Not a ton of confidence on my side, but give me Oregon State to win and Oregon State to cover. We, of course, are a show of the people. And so I, uh, I had Bradley, as he does periodically. I said, Bradley, you don't look like you have anything better to do. Go look in the mailbag. And so he said, okay. And he comes back and he says, got one for you. And here's what Bradley brought me. Courtesy of Brody. Brody asks, even though you don't discuss it much, what are your thoughts on the Heisman race right now from Columbus, Ohio? You're right, Brody. I don't discuss this much, but I think it's worth a couple of minutes of our time. I mean, this is a rare, rare moment, me discussing the Heisman. So let's get the current fan duel odds just so everyone understands the market. Bo Nix is the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. Can we pause and appreciate how wild that statement is if we talk to the versions of ourselves from two years ago? Bo Nix! Anyway, Michael Penix, if you want to make it even more crazy, Nix and Penix were, were at 
Auburn doing nothing, and at Indiana not even staying healthy, now they're elsewhere and they're 1-2 in the Heisman race. That's college football for you. More on that in a second. Uh, Jaden Daniels is 3 at LSU. Marvin Harrison is 4. And those are the guys with fairly similar odds. Then you go down a long way, and you got Carson Beck 5. And by the way, Jalen Milrow is number 6 in the Heisman race right now in terms of odds. And if I were to tell you that in week three, when he got benched against USF, you would have, my point is, don't ever call a college football prediction stupid. Because any of those predictions, if I said it about Knicks or Penix a couple of years ago, if I said it about Milrow a couple of months ago, you would have said was stupid. Like if, if, if you watched Milrow get benched against USF, and I made you two promises. Promise number one, Jordan Travis is not going to lose a game going into November, and he's not going to be hurt. Like, he's going to be healthy the whole time, and Milrow's still going to be above him in the Heisman odds come November. You would have called that crazy. And yet, here we are. So anyway, I told you the other night, I'm going to reiterate it. My number one right now, if I had to vote for the Heisman Trophy, would be Jaden Daniels. His improvement has been insane. Look at the way he exited last year and how much he still needed to improve about his game, and he worked his tail off, and he did it. He had two games last year with 300-plus passing yards. He's had six of them so far this year, and he's had none below 200. And one of their bad stat games was grambling, which is irrelevant. Every other game, he's had at least one 100-yard receiver. Um, He had six games below 200 yards passing last year. None so far this year. He's already eclipsed. His total rushing yards from last year, LSU's lead rusher in four games has been Jaden Daniels. So he's been lighting the world on fire. As I said the other day, it is not his fault that his defense is well below average. The other night I said it's not his fault his defense sucks, and LSU's actual account just retweeted that, which is awesome. And a not-so-subtle shot across the defensive bow there. So Jaden Daniels is my favorite at the moment. Bo Nix and Michael Penix... I think it's becoming pretty obvious and has been for a while what that's coming down to. You've got the, the hypothetical you know, collision course they're on to face off again in Las Vegas on Pac-12 Championship Friday. I never call predictions dumb for this reason. I don't, I don't think enough can be said about where those guys were two years ago. I mean, Knicks had committed to Malzahn at Auburn and was not being developed worth anything. And it was a lost cause, people felt like. And yet he was ultra-talented. People who watched him in high school knew, this dude is better than what he's showing at Auburn. Meanwhile, Michael Penix can't stay healthy, can't stay on the field in Indiana. And he transfers up to Washington, and Knicks transfers to Oregon. And two years later, it, it's, number one, it's just a crazy story. But number two, it makes you realize, just like last year, when we had... A guy who was an afterthought at Virginia Tech, all of a sudden he transfers to Tennessee, and all of a sudden, man, magic at the quarterback position. Well, he didn't become a different human being. It just goes to show you, any given year, there are a bunch of guys that just happen to be in the wrong position or maybe in the wrong soil. And then they get planted in different soil and they blossom, and you think it's a different person. It's not. Makes you wonder, how many guys are out there at quarterback underachieving right now that would flourish if just put in a better situation. Bo Nix, 29-2. Touchdown-to-interception ratio this year. Penix, 28-7. Nix has got the better stat profile. 
than Penix does. But if Penix is 2-0 against him, which isn't a real stat, because these aren't starting pitchers in Major League Baseball, they're quarterbacks, but Heisman voters don't want to hear that. Uh, if he's 2-0 against Knicks, he, he will finish above Knicks in Heisman contention. Carson Beck, as of now, doesn't look like he's got a much of a shot to win this thing. He may be a finalist. Carson Beck's been like above and beyond expectation phenomenal. I don't think he's exceeded expectation of people in the building in Athens, but man, outside, like you had a Heisman finalist last year in Bennett and he goes off to the NFL and Carson Beck's, he's, he's done everything you could possibly want him to do. 18 and 5 TD to INT, over a 72% completion guy. And you've also got Marvin Harrison uh, Jr., who's up at Ohio State. And everybody, everybody's using the Devontae Smith scale to measure Marvin Harrison. That's got to be fun. Get compared to a guy that we hitched our wagon to early in that 2020 season. And he's off pace uh, compared to what Devontae was. So it sounds like in, unless you pace with Devontae Smith, one of the best receiving seasons of all time, you're not going to win the Heisman as a receiver. Isn't that fun? It's, it's so easy. It's like fortune cookie logic, but it is what it is. They're watching us in Millbrook, Alabama, San Diego, California, Bremen, Indiana. Uh, let's roll through a couple of more things here. I haven't talked about Jim Harbaugh, but we're going to talk about him right now. So I had another question. Bradley didn't bring me one. He brought me two questions. Corbin from Bedford, Texas asked, what do you make of Harbaugh saying Michigan should be America's team? Now, as we all know, the Atlanta Braves are America's team. Some would say the Dallas Cowboys. Eh, the Atlanta Braves are America's team. But I digress. In college football, if we're going to have an America's team, Jim Harbaugh looked around at the podium, which he is still allowed to be at. Can't coach right now, according to the Big Ten, but he can conduct practices and he can walk to the podium and say this. It's got to be America's team. It's got to be America's team. America, America loves a team that, that uh, you know, beats the odds, beats the adversity, you know, overcomes with the naysayers and you know, critics, so-called experts think. Um, that's my favorite kind of team. And yeah, watching it from, from that view on the television, I, it was finally people get to see what I see every day, you know, in these players and these coaches. You want to know what bunker mentality is. That's bunker mentality. That is a dude who uh, he peeks his head up above the surface just long enough to draw breath and then goes back under. Harbaugh has no idea what you think about him, nor does he care, uh, nor should he care. But the question was, what do I think about him saying Michigan is America's team? Here's what I think. Congratulations, you played yourself. A lot of you fell for that yesterday. And the way I know that is because there are certain national programs that otherwise would not be caught dead talking about real college football that chose to talk about that yesterday. And that's how I know it was effective. Crisis management, when conducted appropriately, is a beautiful thing to watch and also maddening. Harbaugh understands if you peed your pants, mess your hair up, and then walk in the room and say, oh, look at my hair, because folks will talk about your hair and not the big wet spot on the front of your pants. Hey, if I go and call my team America's team, maybe in all the subterfuge, they'll forget what the crux of the problem is. And like clapping seals, just ooh, 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 a lot of you did it yesterday. I don't care who America's team is. And if you're anti-Michigan out there, nor should you. Remember, 
at the heart of the matter, not the Don Henley song, but the actual investigation going on right now. It's did these folks steal signs? What is it? Was it illegal? Did he know? And what's the punishment going to be? Now, what else is rubbing people the wrong way about Michigan is uh, they've had the audacity to fight this thing at every turn. And I say the word audacity, audacity sarcastically because what they're doing is what you should do. What Michigan's doing right now is what you should do. Now, if we draw a line in the sand, okay, so Connor Stallions allegedly does what he did. Whatever you think about that, he does what he did. From that point forward, when they start to come after you, you fight. You have the audacity to fight. You don't, you don't just bend over and take whatever the NCAA or your conference is going to deal out. That's how you become irrelevant and an afterthought as a program. You, you look to your left and right and you see some of your comrades who have been foolish enough to think, oh, if we just work with the NCAA, oh, if we just work with the conference. No, 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 no. Especially if you're Michigan and you have some of the alumni you have there in the court system and in the legal community, you fight. And just on principle, you fight anyway. I don't know how that's going to turn out. Big day coming up Friday. Harbaugh talked about that as well. But hey, the storm is winding down for them. I really believe this. I believe the storm is winding down for Michigan. Whatever's going to happen at this point, the, the ball's already in motion. And like I told you the other day, this is a player-led team. The culture is rock solid. Harbaugh got forced to take his hands off the wheel, and the car stayed straight as an arrow. That's because you got a bunch of multi-year starters, including that quarterback in that locker room. you got a really good coaching staff. They're fully capable, whether he's on the sideline or not. He's conducting practice every week. He's installing game plan. He, he has everything to do with what's going to happen on the field. He just doesn't get to stand at his usual spot. He doesn't get to decide when their timeouts are called. By and large, this thing will run itself at this point. The storm, as far as Michigan, is, is winding down because their 2023 season is not going to be derailed. You are not going to punish them soon enough for that. So. My attention is a couple of fold. Number one, what's going to happen? Is he going to be able to coach or not? If he's not, they'll be fine anyway. Number two, what are their countermeasures going to be? And then number three, long term, uh, what is life like between Michigan and the Big Ten? But I mean, him calling them America's team, like, y'all, you guys can't be that ignorant. You got to understand what that's about. I hope, well, actually, maybe some people aren't sharp enough to understand what he was doing because it worked. So good for Jim Harbaugh. I don't think I've said those words lately, but good for Jim Harbaugh. You, you just, you know, down the road, Ohio State's going to play Michigan a couple of weeks down the road. And if you're already excited about that game and you want to bet it, you think you have a good idea where it's going, you know our buddies at FanDuel have that game already available. Like, it's, it's there. And so I didn't check it today, but Michigan's a favorite. Short, but they're a favorite. You can go bet it right now. You don't have to wait until game week. And also, we got games coming up this weekend. Uh, you know, we got point spreads out there. But if you want to partake in a little promotion that we've worked out for you, how about this? Right now, FanDuel customers, you get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed if you place a $5 wager. Not any normal wager. Go, go pick a money line. Go, go bet Arkansas on the money line. They're favored by nearly 30. And as long as it wins, you get 150 in bonus dollars. It's that simple, guys. It's that easy. You can go to fanduel.com backslash college football promotion. Well, actually, fanduel.com backslash CFB promotion. Check out all the rules. 
That link's available in the description right here on the YouTube channel, under the show description, if you don't feel like typing that in. So, hey, Ramen Noodle Express, we're about to do, brought to you by FanDuel. Friday Night Lines on the Instagram Live, brought to you by FanDuel. Really good partnership. Had a good meeting with him yesterday. I was walking around a park in downtown Nashville, just talking on the phone, you know, kids playing in the background, occasional train goes by, good ambient noise. Uh, it's very unprofessional for a meeting, but our, our partners at FanDuel didn't care. So we got some really fun stuff down the road coming for you guys. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required, bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts, or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Speaking of which, speaking of the Ramen Noodle Express, notice the train imagery subtly worked in there. Speaking of the Ramen Noodle Express, partnered with FanDuel. I got some more best bets for you. We already added Troy minus 14 Sunday night. We added Middle Tennessee State minus seven the other night. I got three more to fire on. So far, we're on all favorites this week. We're betting Iowa because finally a three popped on the board. We like Iowa to win by seven this Saturday, actually, but we wanted three because points are hard to come by in Iowa games. So Iowa minus three. I like where Clemson's head's at right now. We're taking the Tigers minus six and a half against North Carolina, and we tweeted this out a little while ago because the game is tonight, I believe, Miami tomorrow. Okay, never mind then. Forget what I just said. Miami of Ohio, minus eight and a half. It could have been tonight since it's a Mac game, though. And the point is, you got to make sure you're following at Lake Kick Josh Twitter and Instagram because sometimes we have weeknight games, and I throw it out there three hours before kickoff. If you're waiting for the live show, you'd miss it. So uh, plus, just be a friend. And follow. We're, we're friends here. It's a community, tight knit. At least I think it is. So Troy, MTSU, Iowa, Clemson, Miami of Ohio. Now here's what's about to happen. If you're listening on podcast tomorrow, this will already be dated. They're releasing the playoff rankings as we speak. I've got to do nothing to my wardrobe, but I've got to go watch this right quick. Then I'm going to hop on CBS Sports HQ in about 20 minutes. And if you want to hear me talk playoff, which I rarely do on my own show. That's where to find it, cbssportshq.com. So we'll be there in 20 minutes, and we'll be back here Thursday night, same time. Until then, for Director Colin, Producer Jesse, I'm Josh Pate. Thanks so much. Take care, and God bless.